there, and welcome back to Not Your Average Keto Podcast. I'm joined today by Denise, who was my guest last week. Great to have you back, Denise. How have you been since we last spoke? Anything exciting going on? I'm just busy at work and living life and hitting the gym and all the things that we need to do. So have you been impacted by the the COVID-19 virus yet? Are you stocking up on toilet paper? Um, I actually needed to buy some last week, not to stock up. And there was some, but I just looked when I was at the grocery store yesterday just to see, and it was almost empty. <laughs> I have been doing the same thing. Every time I go to the grocery store, I go, even if I don't need toilet paper, I just go to look down the aisle and to see if there's any there. And there was still some today. I was at No Frills. They still had like the kind of the generic stuff, but like all of the, the brand name was sold out. And, uh, I said to the cashier, I'm like, oh, I see you're, you're out of toilet paper. And, and she said, uh, yeah, there's this one guy just came in a few minutes ago and bought like, like the last six packages. And he said if he ran out of that, he'd use a sock. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, that's gross. But I think it's a whole, the whole thing's ridiculous, but that's a whole other conversation. We haven't had any cases yet where I'm living in Nova Scotia. I did hear that there's one case now in New Brunswick. And it's from a lady that just got back from a trip to France. So that's a little bit scary. And then also here in Halifax, we get the cruise ships um, stop here. And because I guess they get a lot of cruises coming actually across the Atlantic. And then they kind of go down, they can go down the eastern seaboard. So this is a stopping spot. And usually it's like a big, you know, it's a big deal. I've been down down at the pier when the, the boats come in and there's all these little boutique shops out there for the, for the people on the cruise ships. And, but now it's, I'm thinking that's a little scary that there's all these people coming from wherever and cruise ships right now are just such a big, you know, breeding ground for this virus. It's, it's a little worrying actually when we haven't had any cases yet. So. Right. And you're hearing about a lot of events being canceled and I know some races are being canceled. And even I heard an NBA game is going to be played with an empty stadium. Like they're being very precautionary. Yes. Um, and I think, too, it's a lot because there's, you know, there's been nothing like this before. And people don't know what to expect or what to compare it to. And when there's a lot of unknown, people kind of react in a way that's maybe extreme. <laughs> but you know, trying to be preventative too. So I understand both sides. Yeah, I, I agree with you. But I mean, I think there's a point where like toilet paper, what's with the toilet paper? I mean, if I'm going to be stuck at home, I'm going to be able to do laundry if I really need to, you know, that's what they made uh, towels for, right? Uh, socks, I don't know. But I would be more worried about getting food than toilet paper, really. That, that's me, right? I don't know. That was just so weird. He's going to be using his socks. That was good. we laughed at the time, you know. But afterwards, I started thinking about it. Like, really, socks? Anyways, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be doing his laundry. Yeah, not so much. Well, it's your own laundry. It's fine. But I mean, I was thinking when I was working in the hospital. I mean, we didn't use toilet paper, right? I mean, would you? What would you do with your baby, right? You don't use toilet paper. You use wipes and whatnot. So, I mean, in desperation, let's not turn this into the poop show today. No, no poop. <laughs> oh, goodness. So when we spoke, we spoke last week after the show for about half an hour, something kind of stuck in my head that we didn't explore much. We've kind of touched on, and that was mindset. So what does that mean to you? 
Um, mindset, mine really shifted before all the weight loss. And then it shifted from then till now. Um, I had before I had surgery and lost all my weight, I had a really fixed mindset. Like when there's a challenge or an obstacle, I'm just like, I can't handle this. And um, when there was any kind of criticism, I really internalized it and I didn't see it for what it was. Where now I have more of a growth mindset. So like when there's a challenge, I'm like, okay, how can I make this work for me? And when there's criticism, I'm like, okay, I understand. And how can I use this to make me better? And I genuinely feel happy for people before in my new kind of mindset um, where before I would feel envious of people. And it's just a whole shift in thinking and always trying to better yourself. That is exactly what I was thinking. I was, the, to me, it means the ability and willingness to accept change. And especially when it, when it comes to food, I think it's hard to let go of behaviors that we've had all our lives and letting go of ideas about nutrition because there's so much now that they're finding that aren't things that aren't true, but it's because we've always been told these things and, it, and that, so that we're positive that they are true. And I mean, for me, I don't care what people eat. I mean, if, you know, like I, I do the keto and I kind of carnivore too. And, you know, there's vegans out there and that's fine. You know, do eat how you want to eat, how it makes you feel good. But just like with the understanding that food affects health a lot more than what we think it does. I mean, long short-term health, like with our weight and if you're diabetic and things like that. And long-term health, when they're kind of seeing now that like say Alzheimer's is they're calling now type three diabetes. Right. So, yeah, really, this is something that they're finding out now that they're kind of looking at the brains of Alzheimer's and seeing how they're affected, like with this issue with sugar is affecting their brain cells. So there's like a lot going on with that. And um, they're finding, too, that like people that are having dementia and Alzheimer's, they're actually improving when they're starting to eat higher fat, lower carb diets. So. There's a lot of work going on, like a lot of study going on with that. But so that's something like if you think of that now, that if I change my my diet now, that's not going to just affect the way that I am now. Maybe I'll lose a few pounds and I'll feel better. But maybe 10 years down the road, I won't develop dementia and Alzheimer's and things like that. I mean, whoever heard of these things up until, you know, maybe the last 20, 30 years? But before that, right. I don't think that they really had, I mean, people were, you know, they would call them senile, but I don't think they had the rates that they have had like in the last 20 or 30 years. And that's kind of going hand in hand with the obesity epidemic because of, you know, everything was low fat back in the, you know, 70s and 80s. That's kind of when the low fat craze started. And then so the obesity epidemic exploded. And now, you know, we're seeing the results of the people that, you know, went low carb or sorry, low fat in their forties and fifties. And now they're in their seventies and eighties and they're all developing this dementia and, and uh, Alzheimer's. So, so it's just kind of interesting how it all kind of ties together, but I think you just have to be sort of willing to accept that you need to change or there's constant change and adaptation, I think. So to me, that's what mindset is kind of, kind of about. And another thing we didn't talk about a whole lot was motivation. And we talked about your motivation for surgery. And I think we all aspire to improve our health. But what keeps you going day to day? 
Well, what keeps me going day to day now is now that the health obstacles are past me, I want to be strong and I want to move and I'm motivated by the people around me, by family, by friends, by even colleagues at work. Like we're having this weight loss petition at work just to see how we can better each other. And it's just that competition um, with social media. I'm in lots of running groups and support groups, even like we'll tag each other in, we call them stop, drop and chugs. And uh, it just means hydrate yourself, have that drink of water. Like we're always trying to motivate, whether it's just for something as little as that or something grand scheme. And it's awesome. And you have to pull your motivation from wherever you can, because it's not going to find you. You have to go look for it. Oh, that's that's so true. I couldn't agree more because that's something that I kind of struggle with a lot that you sometimes you feel like it should just come really naturally, but it's really one of those things that you have to work on. And I use, I use visualization a lot. Um, There was a point where I couldn't see myself as the person I wanted to become, but then I don't know, I think I just kind of kept at it and it really clicked. And I think it was because I didn't have the faith in myself that I could really do it. But at a certain point, I think I just got this burst of self-confidence. And I think when I went keto, I think that really helped. Um, just eating less carbs and more fat that I just had a, a lot of improvement in my mood and that mental clarity they keep talking about. And I don't have you ever done a vision board or anything like that? I have not. I do something like that in my job to visualize. We'll do mood boards and stuff. Yeah. Um, but not really applying it to my own health journey, but it's a good idea. Yeah. I've, I haven't done it myself either, but I've seen people do that where they'll, They'll create a a vision board, you know, like a piece of Bristol board with pictures that they get out of magazines or um, newspapers or, uh, or, you know, print off the Internet. Like, you know, maybe clothes that they want to wear, places that they want to go that they've never been before. They didn't have the self-confidence. And I'm sure you've seen like in our own support groups, people that, you know, they have these non-scale victories where they've, you know, they've never been to the beach or been on a roller coaster or they're very excited because they've never been on a plane before because they were too self-conscious because they had to get a seat extender, you know, things like that. They, that's kind of a visualization board. And um, journaling can be really helpful for people. But I think some people are journaling like it's kind of woo-woo. But, um, I mean, a lot of people keep diaries. So it's, it's the same sort of thing, just kind of talking out your feelings on paper. And it does work. I've, I've tried it before. And it's kind of hard to get into it. You feel a bit self-conscious, but you, you get into it after a while if you just kind of keep working at it. It's like anything else. If you set your mind to something, eventually you get there with the practice. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I was really successful when I journaled. And I, I mostly journaled food and how I was feeling that day and how much water I drank and things like that. But when you have that trail, when you come up a co- against an obstacle in the future or a complication or any kind of problem, you can always look back and it starts to make sense why, why you went off track here. Well, this was happening or, you know, when something worked for you while well, I was doing this, like it's a really good record to be able to go back. And it also keeps you accountable in the moment, accountable for what you're putting in your mouth, accountable for what you're doing or how you're feeling too. Yeah, I think that that's a really good uh, journaling and visualization boards and the support groups. And I see all the time on Instagram, you're getting, getting tagged for these 
side by side things and it's it's just it's just really <laughs> you have a really great group i love them i like that what they're go ahead they're just mostly for fun but they're actually they have good intent behind them like there's the sds's which is stop drop and selfie you put a put up a nice picture of yourself because you're feeling good about yourself people want to see you know you want to see theirs you repost it's just that whole community and everybody working together for everyone's betterment and that's what's so awesome about the social media platforms we all have our good days we all have our bad days and i i think most people understand that and if you you put up you know you're feeling like crap and people will say well what can i do to help you so like you social media, don't isolate yourself. And I think too many people do that. They only, absolutely. they're only on social media when they feel good. Like be on social media when you feel bad too. Absolutely. And I think that's changing too, because what people are really resonating to and identifying with is when people are real and you hear a lot of people say that like this person's real because they will post their downfalls, but they'll also post their triumphs. And your community will lift you up in those low moments and celebrate those high moments. And that's what it's all about. Like, too often, you see people showing you only what they want you to see. But, you know, everybody struggles and everybody messes up. And I quickly learned that people identify better when you mess up and when you and when you put it out there, too, sometimes they help you when you stumble. So it's, it's great. Like be yourself. And that's the best and most liberating thing too. I love that I can be myself on there. I'm very quirky. um, (laughs) And people embrace that. They're like, I love this. You know, you're just you. And I'm like, I always hid from who I was. But now that I have this confidence and this platform, I'm going to be me. And you want people to like you for who you are. That's the whole point. <laughs> yeah, I think most people would be af- afraid that if they didn't put out their, their perfect self, that people wouldn't like them. And I think that's so wrong. Because, I mean, everyone, you know, you've got your friends that like you for who you are. They see you good in good times and in bad times. So I was going to say, we chatted in the last week, too, about your recipes. Because that's kind mm-hmm. of where I first saw you is doing your your food videos. So tell me a little bit about that. Like, how did you kind of get started on that? Like, what was the impulse behind, you know, let me do some videos? And how did you do them? Like, I'm always curious in sort of that, <laughs> that behind the scenes. Like, what equipment do you use? Like, you get a, a camera, like, duct tape to the ceiling? Or what do you do? Oh, I have some devices. I went to a camera shop and got, like, a clamp. that, And it's just my phone. That's all I've ever used. I have a clamp that will do something overhead. I have a tripod that I clip it to. I mean, it's moving my phone around a lot, (laughs) but it's just my phone. I have a couple lights with umbrellas to soften the brightness, but I mean, I didn't spend more than 200 bucks on equipment. Um, And I also have like a stabilizer that was a little bit more too, but um, it just makes a smoother transition when you're moving around. But um, yeah, I didn't spend a whole lot on equipment. And I got into it because I like to eat and I like to eat good food. And I touched on this last time too, but I wanted to recreate the things I loved before because when you're eating a different diet and following a different lifestyle, you still want to be you and you still want to enjoy. And that's what I did. I just crafted everything that I used to love. Like for instance, I was always a sugar junkie and I love sweet things and I still do. And, uh, 
my favorite dessert was creme brulee. Well, darn it, did I ever search and search till I found a keto-ish version of creme brulee because I love it, even with the sugar topping on it. I have a little torch, everything. Oh, like, my. I made, I made that happen because it was important to me in my previous life, and I still want to adapt and pivot but still be me and still enjoy the things I enjoyed. So I recreated things I loved and that I used to make and that I thought were simple enough that people could follow along themselves and make it home. And it's, it's not overwhelming and it's not crazy when you just break things down, small steps. Right. Yeah. So what are your kind, do you have any sort of general tips and tricks when it comes to making food more low carb friendly? Um, just substitute with protein. Like I make an awesome meatball and, uh, usually when you make homemade meatballs, you put breadcrumbs or something in it as like a filler to hold things together. Well, instead of using breadcrumbs, I grind up pork rinds and put that in. It's not carby. (laughs) Um, I'll put extra things in for flavor, like Parmesan cheese or lots of herbs. Like you have to make things flavorful as possible and you have to sub stuff to lower the carbs. Like when I made my creme brulee, um, I used erythritol as a sweetener instead of regular sugar and it will caramelize up too with my torch just as well as sugar does. Like you have to adapt and substitute and, and still make it delicious. And that's important to me. I think my biggest challenge with cooking actually in general has always been finding sort of the right seasoning and spices. So I tend to, and I think everybody does this, you get the same 10, 12 recipes that you just sort of keep doing over and over and over again. So with my um, nutrition course, part of um, my, I have to do these case studies. And part of this case study is doing a three-day meal plan. And you have to make them very specific because if somebody's got, um, say, like for you, you, for example, you, you don't have your thyroid. So we need to find ways to support, nutritionally support your thyroid. So I would go through and see, you know, which vitamins and minerals are good for the, for supporting, well, not, so not supporting your thyroid because you don't have a thyroid, but supporting the function of what a, a thyroid would do. And you have your thyroid medication. So things that will kind of support that and, and help your, your endocrine system generally. And then so I got to find foods that kind of fit that bill. Well, if I'm only making the same 10, 12 meals, right, <laughs> myself personally, that's really not going to help you. So I went uh, to the library and, and I've been getting books from the library. I've got like about 20 books sitting on my dining room table, like cookbooks, right? And so that's when I've been flipping through and looking for recipes. And that's why I kind of got this idea of doing this cookbook and recipe review, because I'm pretty sure that I'm not the only person that struggles with this. Um, And I'm just finding all of these different ideas and different kind of seasonings and combinations, like what goes good with each other, because yeah, you want your food to be healthy, but taste good. And I'm, I'm not, sometimes I'm like food is fuel and it doesn't really matter what it tastes like. And then other times I'm like, yeah, I want taste to, I want food to taste good because you want to be happy sitting down at the table and eating and, you know, you've got other people to feed. You want them to enjoy their food as well. So, um, 
now I know that you don't you don't work at home you go to work like most other people do what do you what do you do at at work for for your lunches and so on I do a lot of meal prep on Sundays, actually. Like, I'll make things that'll last me through the week, and I'll make, like, three or four different things, and I'll switch it up, and I'll freeze some things, um, like my meatballs, for an example. But things like breakfast, I'll make on the fly at work. And I was getting really tired of scrambled eggs all the time or microwaved eggs, but I love eggs. It fills me up in the morning. So what I started doing this week is I bought a bunch of avocados, and they're on sale for like six of them. So I had six avocados. I'm going to be eating a lot of avocado. And I took it to work and I cut one in half. And I skipped out the middle a little bit, seasoned it with salt and pepper. And I cracked an egg in the middle of each one of those. And uh, if you try to microwave that, the yolks explode. So we've got a toaster oven at work. So I put those suckers in the toaster oven. <laughs> Domed it with a piece of aluminum foil, seasoned the top again with more salt and pepper, and put a little bit of water in the pan, and I cooked them in my toaster oven, and I had these perfectly cooked avocados with this perfectly set egg in the middle, and last time I went cross-border shopping in Buffalo, I went to Trader Joe's, because that store is awesome, and has so many really good seasonings and things, and Everybody on social media is like, if you go to Trader Joe's, you got to get the everything but the bagel seasoning. So if you ever go to Tim Hortons for the Canadians and buy that everything bagel, it tastes just like that stuff on top of that bagel. It comes in a little bottle. So that on top of egg and avocado has been the most heavenly <laughs> breakfast I've had in a long time. That sounds... But I've been eating it all yeah. week. Yeah, <laughs> oh, you'll get tired of it. But that sounds really yummy. You should take a little bit of chopped bacon and sprinkle it on top. That Oh, that, that would make it more protein and more flavor. That would make it perfect. Now, that all about the bagel seasoning, I have seen that at, I don't know, Winners or Home Sense or Marshalls. One of, one yep. of those, they have it every once in a while. And I should have... I was looking at it and I'm like, should I buy? And you know, one of those, those times where yeah, you look at it and you know, ah, you know, I'll get it next time. And then of course the next time it's not there. So the next time I'm at winners or home Center or Marshall's, I will definitely buy that. Cause that sounds really good. That sounds like, a. I heard, go ahead. I heard that it's actually available at Costco too, but you have to buy oh, a baking potato. Right, yeah. Share it with your friends. <laughs> yeah, that would be fun. Here's a little bag of seasoning. Here you go. You help yourself. Um, yeah, that sounds really good. Um, that's a good idea doing a lot of meal prep, and that's just something I kind of fall down on as well. I do, I've, I've been trying to do a bit more bulk shopping because I tend to shop every day, and that's. Right. You know, it's, I, I was thinking the other day, I'm really wasting a lot of time every week going or like every day going shopping. Even if the grocery store is only like five minutes away, I'm probably there for half an hour. So over the course of a week, you know, I'm probably at the grocery store for like three, four hours. Whereas if I went and did like one hour, one and a half hours, you know, I could save loads of time. But I, so I'm starting to buy a little bit more stuff and throw it in the freezer. At least I've got that piece of it um done and I maybe I just have to go and get some vegetables or something like that so uh. the freezer is great um because I find often when you meal prep you're eating the same thing all week so if you can make like a batch of stuff keep a few items of it out put the rest in the freezer and then next week make something else 
put that in the freezer, then you have some variety. Like I find with meal prep, often I find I'm, I get bored by the end of the week because I'm eating the same thing that I prep. So it's good to use the freezer. What do you put your food in? Like what kind of containers, like plastic containers or glass containers or... Um, I usually put them in the plastic containers with the tight fitting lid and I'll stack them in my freezer. Some things I put in like freezer Ziploc bags. It depends what it is. Right. If I'm making a soup or something, it's easier to ladle in the bag or chili or something like that. Um, depends what I have, how many containers I have available to. This just, I use what I've got basically. Like what are things, what are things that freeze really well? That's what I'm always worried about is throwing something in the freezer and then taking it out and it tastes horrible. Uh, most things do freeze well. Like anything milky or whatever might kind of separate a bit if you put it in there. But soups are great. Chilies are great. I made, um, I mean, the meatballs, anything meat related will freeze really well. Like I'll cook up the meatballs and then freeze them individually and put them in baggies. And if I need a few of them for something, I'll pull them out, put some sauce on it and cheese, and there's a meal right there. Like, it's really versatile. Um, I made cabbage rolls. They froze really, really well. Like, there's so many things. I made, like, an enchilada sauce and enchiladas, and that turned out really well, too, frozen. I pretty much freeze everything. (laughs) That's awesome, and I freeze nothing. (laughs) I throw my packages (laughs) of food in the freezer, and that's about – that's something definitely I really need to kind of – pay a little bit more attention to I think I could probably save time I know a lot of people like you probably prep on Sunday right again I think a lot of people do that yeah they do all of their prep work on Sunday and that's kind of their you know their afternoon or whatever and then you know they're good for a week and I should I need to do more of that so that's that's my goal that's a goal for me to you were mentioning cookbooks and stuff, but don't forget online like Pinterest and even just other Instagram accounts there's so many that take these beautiful pictures of things that they made. And that's where the egg and avocado thing okay. came from. Um, people have accounts that post so many great, and I know there's tons of keto things because I mean, I have a whole Pinterest um, pin board full of keto and low carb stuff and there's no end. And it gives you so many ideas that you wouldn't think about. It's really, it's really great resource. You don't like if you're not, if you don't have the time or, don't use the library and don't want to flip through a book. It's just so easy to look through there and find so many good things. And then it also suggests other things for you too. If you click on this recipe, you know, there's all these other ones show up too. So it's like, Oh, I never even thought of this. I love watching the videos, you know, like that's why I like your videos so much. I like watching the videos, you know, and they, they have the bowl and they, they should, they dump in all the ingredients and they're stirring it away and then they put it in the pan. It all comes out per- looking perfect. I just, I love those so right. much. Um, yeah. So, well, then you weren't watching my videos because I have a lot of outtakes at the end of mine. Not everything goes Yeah, perfect. but that makes it more fun. <laughs> it is fun. I get a lot of comments about my bloopers for sure. Right. I haven't done a video in a while. You I haven't. have to get back to it again. It's just I time. Know. I know. Um, so it's like time. in my last, in my last episode, we, after we were done talking, I did a little cookbook and recipe review and I promised to make salmon cakes with Verblanc from the Dr. Jason Fung obesity cookbook. And I did, and I've posted pictures of it on uh, Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and everybody here loved them. Um, so it's definitely a keeper. I'll be making that again. Um, but instead of the canned salmon though, I used fresh salmon. 
And you have to just chop it up or dice it really finely. And there was actually a lot of chopping in this recipe. There was uh, chopped parsley, red pepper, green onion, and scallion. So it's a bit time-consuming. Um, and the burr blank, it's really, really good. But again, it's like not a five-minute kind of sauce. So I'd save this for a dinner when I've got lots of time to do the, do the work. And I'm going to put that recipe in the show notes. And I had leftovers, which I refrigerated, and I had the next day for lunch. And that was one of the good things. It, it refrigerates well, and the burr blank reheated good. And I was looking up online, and they say that salmon cakes freeze really well, so you could prep them and freeze them, and they, but they just need to be thawed before cooking. So um, so if you, if you wanted to save time on that, could you use canned oh, definitely. salmon instead of yeah, fine the, fresh? Yeah, the recipe calls for canned salmon, but I actually just did happen to have some fresh salmon in my, um, in my fridge. So I wanted to use that up. So I went online and I, and I kind of Googled, you know, can you use fresh salmon instead of canned salmon in a recipe? And they said, yes, just dice it up really well. And it works just the same. So that's what I did. And I think I have seen recipes too for like salmon patties where you cook it and then kind of flake it and then put it in the recipe. So it worked out well, I think either way. Um, and it was really good. It, it like, I have never had such good tasting salmon patties before, but I think it was because, you know, like I was saying before, it's the seasonings. Like you take the red pepper and you roast it first, you know, so the skin gets blackened and then I peeled it off and then I yep. chopped that up. And then there was a green onion in it and then some Dijon mustard and then the parsley, which I don't know, just all together came together for really great taste. And the, the Beurre Blanc um, sauce was, um, um, white wine vinegar, white wine, um, 18% cream and butter. And I think salt and pepper. And it was just, it sounds it awesome. Really awesome. It was really good, but it was one of those sauces where you kind of throw in a little bit of butter, stir it, wait till it, it incorporates. Right. So, so it took like about 10 minutes, 15 minutes of kind of, cause you don't want it that's to right. split. Yeah. You that's have to why, keep, yeah. you have to keep stirring yeah. it. So it was really good. Um, now my next, the next cookbook I was looking at is a book called cook 90 and it's by David Tamerican and the editors of Epicurious. So they like this big cooking magazine, right? And cook 90, I guess, is this thing where you spend three months. So like three meals a day, so that's the 90. So you're just kind of cooking at home. So you're just like cooking with fresh whole ingredients. I mean, it's not a particularly keto or low carb book. But why I picked it is because there's a lot of meal planning and prepping information in it, lots of cooking tips and tricks, how to efficiently shop for food. And there's lots of like 15 to 30 minute recipes and uh, like even recipes on how to use like a rotisserie chicken or if you're going to slow cook some chicken and shred it up, it's got recipes for that. And then like lunches that you can make and take to work. So I thought that that was a really good um, overall kind of cookbook, even if it's not particularly low carb or keto, but just so many like really good recipes. And, you know, Epicurious are going to have really good things that are a little bit more outside of the box than what you kind of be what I'm used to anyways. So the recipe that I picked out for next time is um, Vietnamese pork patty salad with rice noodles. So that's kind of some flavors that are outside of my... Uh, my normal wheelhouse. So I'll be interested to try that and see how it works out. So we were talking about your running earlier. So I wanted to get back to that. And you were saying that you, um, 
started with a running club. So can you tell me about that a, a bit? Yeah, well, they're actually, <laughs> they're really great. They've become some of my best friends, actually. But it just started just in the Instagram community talking about exercise. And we post gym check-ins. So whenever someone posts a gym check-in, sometimes they put a detail of what they did. And they'll tag other people. And then when you're tagged, you tag them and it goes on like that. So someone was posting, they did their first 5K and they did a 10K. And and I'm like, oh my goodness, like these people weren't that far out from surgery and they were sedentary before and they're doing all these big things. And it's like, wow, like maybe I could do this. And, um, and some of these people, like you'll just comment and say, oh, congrats. And, and they'll comment back, oh, you can do it too. And I'm like, no way. And one of my best friends on there, Jen, and another really good friend that are both in my running group now, they started the running group, Jeff saying you know what Denise you can do this and I'm like okay I'll try to run one minute and then I would do one minute on the treadmill at the gym and then I do two and went on like that and I go to the YMCA and and I have a trainer there and she's like we're signing up for a 5k and we're gonna do it the week of your surge anniversary so my one year surge anniversary my trainer and I bolstered by my running group online that formed starting with Jen and Jeff and just built around um, supported me, encouraged me, and I did two days after my one year surge anniversary, I did my first 5K and I did not stop. And I beat my best time in all my practices. Like I would just practice going around my neighborhood thinking, I can't do this, but maybe I can. Or I'll just go to the end of the street where the stop sign is. And then I'm like, well, maybe I can go a little bit further. It's just that constant push from within, but from your circle and your tribe too that just helps you. And now, like I said last time, we just did one in North Carolina and we're doing more and it becomes addictive. And I could not believe before that I could run at all, let alone want to run. Like I did two hard workouts in a row with lots of running the last two days. Today's my rest day. I'm like, I feel like running again. (laughs) And I know I have to rest myself, but I'm like, who is this person? I don't recognize me. But it's funny when you're propelled and it ties back into motivation again. Um, you want to, and it's just this strange thing, but it happens. I know that a lot of people have trouble getting starting starting an exercise program and sticking to it. So I think probably you've answered my next question already, but what's the best way to sort of stick to a program that, that you I mean, obviously you've got your tribe, and I think that's probably been what's kept you going. And also having these little goals, like I knew my surge anniversary was coming up and I had this 5k and I'm like, I better get my button gear and put in the time to train myself to do this. Like when you set yourself goals, you have much better chance of doing better because you're trying to meet these goals and don't pick something so lofty that it just, it feels unattainable. Like a 5k for me was attainable it felt far at the time but with the training and with all these people backing me my trainer at the gym my running group which has grown from more than two people to like about a dozen of us now um we back each other we support each other like I'm not the fastest in the group I'm not the youngest in the group but when we do these races we run as a group like we support each other (sighs) It is. That does sound great. And I know for myself, I think people are really self-conscious 
um, about, you know, exercising, going mm-hmm. to the, when you go to the gym, honestly, people, nobody's watching you. I think that that's such a big thing. Oh, nope. I don't want people to watch. There's, they're not watching you. They're, they're worried about their own thing. And I did a, um, I've done a couple of things. I'm a, a CanFit Pro personal trainer and I have a level one yoga instructor, um, certificate, I guess. And when I did those courses and I mean, I'm, I'm still overweight. I've been transparent about that. When I went to these courses, everybody else was very fit, very fit, thin and fit, but nobody made me feel like an outsider. Nobody made me feel like I didn't belong there. They were very supportive and helpful. And um, I think a lot of them were surprised that, you know, I knew some of them, I knew more than some of the other ones said, because like with, especially with the personal trainer course, a lot of it was um, biology and physiology and, you know, going to school as a nurse, I aced all of that stuff right off the bat. So, you know, you can't judge a book by its cover just because somebody is not in the best shape doesn't mean that they don't know what they're doing. It doesn't mean that they're not motivated to work hard. So, um, I think you just have to kind of find your tribe and, and find some place that you fit in and look for support, you know, just don't, don't stand on the sidelines, yes. you know, go and look for that support. So you just happen to sort of, you know, mesh with a couple of people and then it kind of grew and now look where you are. Exactly. And I remember too, like when I was still obese, I was doing a program through the hospital here to try to get my weight down. And it was a year long program and part of it, and this is how I met my trainer at the Y was to start doing exercise at the gym. And I remember that first intimidating trip to the gym. Like I called it my walk of shame because I felt like I was going into this room with all these fit people and that they would judge me. And the first time is always the hardest, but nobody looked up from what they were doing. And most people are happy that you're trying to better your life and, and get fit. Like if you ever ask them, like there's no judgment and, you have to do this for you and not care about what people think because you have to save your own life and you have to be healthy for your family and just to make it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Day. And I know that people will get trolled at the gym. And I, there was a thing that somebody had taken a picture of somebody at a gym and, and, yes. but those people are so far and few between mostly everybody that either don't pay you any attention yes. or if they do, they, I've had people come up to the gym and, you know, help me with machines. If I didn't know how to work them, people would come up and help me. And, you know, people will be supportive if you give them the chance. Those people that are trolls there, there's just not that many of them out there. So in that particular incident too, someone did that just for social media attention. It wasn't, it's not the norm. That behavior is not the norm. You go to the gym, people are not staring at you. Yes. Everyone's using And I don't that I don't know if you do yoga or, or if anybody out there who's listening does yoga or, or is interested in trying yoga. There's a great app called Down Dog. And for the next month they're offering their apps free. So it's like if you want to do yoga at home, they have like little videos of the instructor doing the yoga and explaining what they're doing and all the different positions and all like that. And it's really good for a beginner. It's like, you know, like a 15 or 20 minute kind of exercise. And some of them are like really simple, easy for beginners. And then they get a little bit harder depending on what your experience level is. But I just thought I would throw that. I just suddenly thought of that just now um, because there was this thing about people not going to yoga classes 
because of, you know, the virus. There's just going to be so many less people going to the gym and working out because of that, that fear of the virus. And especially in that kind of an environment um, where it's, there's a lot of heat and, and moisture, it's more likely to spread more easily. So oh, what's I've got that, an app too that I love. It is the Nike Training Club app and it's absolutely free too. And it gives you videos. It'll set up programs for you. Um, I have some trainer friends that actually use that themselves for their oh, that's, workout. That's so brilliant. So it's just it like great. under the Nike, Nike Nike Training Club. Okay. If you go to any app finding Nike Training store. Club, yeah, at the <laughs> at the phone. Apple Store or Google yes. Play or whoever. So I want to thank you again so much for being on the oh. show. And oh, I gotta say thank a special thank you for making me a new logo. Denise made me a beautiful new logo. It looks awesome, and I'm super grateful that you went out of your way to do that for me. So thank you so much. And putting my putting my day job to work <laughs> in my off time. It's brilliant. I love it. I love it. But it's good to have your own thing that's graphic yes. and ownable. And it's, as it is more. Like, so and it's an I, avocado. I was, I was like thinking exactly that. Week. It looks. <laughs> Can you tell what I had on my mind? Because I had so avocado on the brain, week. but it's good. <laughs> It's good brain food for you. I did. Um, yeah, but it, it just looks so nice and professional. So I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, people will see us on uh, Apple Podcast or Google Play or wherever, and they'll be more attracted to your avocado than to my fried eggs. <laughs> anyway, thanks so much for that, Denise. I really appreciate it. So don't forget to no like problem. this podcast and leave me a five-star review. And if you'd like to be a guest and pop in for a chat, you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram under Not Your Average Keto Podcast. It's super simple. All you need is your phone, a pair of headphones or earbuds with a microphone, and a quiet place to sit for about 45 minutes. Couldn't be easier. So until next time, be excellent to each other, and I'll see you next time on Not Your Average Keto Podcast.